gentlemen, welcome to the Source Material Comics Podcast. That is right. Evan Bevins, we're talking Rise of the Black Panther tonight, and I, I'm, my assumption is that we are talking about this because of the upcoming movie. When Do you have any idea when the movie's releasing? I want to say it's November 11th. Synergy, baby. Synergy. You and I were kind of throwing things at the wall, trying to figure out what to what to talk about, I believe, is how this how this rolled out and it might have even been mark who suggested rise of the black panther but i i know it was which is a comic that came out in very early 2018 we just talked about how this was something that was released the same year that the black panther movie released that came Um, out in february of 2018 so there was a little uh little synergy there between marvel comics and marvel studios that's right and uh our creative team on this book uh, i'm going to do my best to try and man i am too appalachia to say some of this stuff okay <laughs> <laughs> so uh our writer is evan narcisse he had just done some stuff recently i, b- I believe some wakanda tie-ins I, I actually looked him up and uh found a little bit about him the guy who i think he gets either a consultant or a story credit uh tanahisi coates uh, he has the interesting distinction of being the first comic book writer I met through the Dan Lebitard show rather okay. than comics. Okay, explain what that is. Well, he uh, well the Dan Lebitard show it was on ESPN Radio. Now that now they've kind of got their own uh, podcast uh, thing. Apparently, podcasting is a big deal. You, sh- you should look into it. <laughs> I have um, to check that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's getting popular. He was on there after winning uh, the National Book Award in 2015. I believe it was a a series of essays on like um, race in the United States and things like that uh, called Between the World and Me. Levitard show often kind of zigged when other sports radio shows would zag and and dealt with some you know social things. So I heard him interviewed on there, and then you know a couple months or a year or so later, I saw that he was going to be writing Black Panther, and so I, I don't remember where this where this fell in, but I guess I'm assuming. Uh, and we all know how dangerous that could be that Marvel asked him to, you know, kind of do his spin on the Black Panther's origin to sort of coincide with the movie. And he didn't directly write this, but this Evan Nar- Narcisse did, who I looked up and I, this guy is kind of my hero because he was a journalist who went from writing about comics to writing comics. I think he interviewed Tanahisi Coates. He, uh, some of his interviews caught the attention of Coates' editor at Marvel. This is uh, off of Wikipedia, and uh, invited him to collaborate with them on some Black Panther stories. So there's some elements of Coates' Black Panther storyline. I, I read I don't know, maybe about half of his run. I just kind of fell behind. There's some elements of his run in this this story that kind of ties, you know, the Black Panther's past to what was going on in Marvel at the time, and also definitely kind of gives it more of a well, well since we've been saying synergy a lot, it puts it in with a little synergy with the movie. I mean, this doesn't completely change the Marvel comic storyline to reflect the movie, but a lot of the elements and tone are things I recognized from the Black Panther movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, for sure. He also um, is the co-writer, just FYI, because I, I believe um, you've been known to uh, dabble in a little bit of wrestling. He is the co-writer of a comic, WWE, The New Day, Power of Positivity. Oh, my goodness. I knew this existed. 
That's great. <laughs> I, I, I believe that one's floating around on Hoopla. That is great. So, And then he also did some work on um, the Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales video game and the Marvel Avengers game. Okay, that's pretty cool. Pencil and Ink by Paul Renaud, who appears to be a French comic book artist. And I was just looking at his Wikipedia. His Wikipedia, I think, hasn't been updated for a while because the last time they have him uh, doing any work is 2015. Obviously, he's doing stuff here in 2018. But you can see his work. Uh, oh, it looks like Red Sonja from the mid-2000s. Okay. Uh, Uncanny Avengers Annual. He did it well. He does this a variant cover. Looks like he's doing a lot of cover work. Did the interior to Shield number six? But I, I, you know, after this, I don't know if I don't know if he's pretty prolific on doing the interiors of other comics after 2015 or not. But you can see like he did a lot of cover work. Got to start doing a comic called Cave Woman from Basement Comics. All right, colored by Stephane Stephane Patro and lettered by VC Joe Sabino. So yeah, we're going to learn a lot about the Black Panther here tonight. My history with the Black Panther, actually, if you want to go back to the episode that Mark and Chris Sheehan and I did on Black Panther the Client uh, by Christopher Priest. That was my major introduction to Black Panther. I had you know, seen him pop up with the Avengers and things like that. But honestly, before that, I just kind of thought of him as the Avenger from Africa. Didn't know a whole lot about him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that take on the Black Panther that, that really made me a, a fan. When the movie came out and there were T-shirts everywhere, I, I would say, uh, you know, I was a Black Panther fan before it was cool. But <laughs> it was it was mainly Priest's take on him that I think at first I thought was, was unique to Priest. And it was to a certain extent, but he built on a lot of stuff that came before. Um, so political intrigue in Wakanda, which we get in, in this, was um, you know one of the first major Black Panther solo series. There was a coup within the nation, and he you know went to different parts of it, and you learned about the, the different peoples and the, the traditions and intrigue and, and things like that. Wakanda's always been a technologically advanced nation. I believe it was Priest that inter- introduced the concept of the Dora Milaje. They mentioned the Kamoyo operating system. That's that's where I first learned about that. When when that run ended, uh, Reginald Hudlin took over, and a lot of people like that. And it, it built on a lot of the stuff Priest did. I was kind of mad at Marvel, uh, even though I mean I had like there were sixty some issues of Black Panther. It's not like they pulled the plug. I mean nowadays that's unheard of. That, right. that priest wrote, but so I, it, it took me a while to come around to that. And Reginald Hudlin is the one who introduced Shuri, who you know plays a big role here. Obviously, is expected to in the new movie uh, without Chadwick Boseman. I, I'll probably say, oh well, th- this was like in Priest Run, and Priest definitely put a stamp on it. He didn't exactly pull it pull it out of nowhere. That that was just how how it seemed to me because I had never read anything focused on the Black Panther before that. That that's kind of my my touchstone for the Black Panther. You know him as this uh, you know genius king guy who's a superhero, but not quite like like some of the other superheroes. That that's what informed my view of him. So so you'll probably hear me say a couple times, oh well, this reminds me of back in the Priest Run. I, I think I probably knew the Black Panther existed in the 90s, as in, like, I was collecting comics then, but I don't recall ever reading anything with him in it. I think the time that I recognized a story that he was involved in or a storyline that he was involved in was his marriage to Storm. Right. Yeah. During Civil War. 
Right. That was that was when Hudlin was writing it. Yeah, that's when I was like, oh, okay, this you know, this character I know has been around for a while, but I've known nothing about him. Uh, and here he is married to Storm, and yeah, this is but, very much about establishing his place in the wider Marvel universe as much yeah. as it is telling his story. Absolutely. You know, I, I never really paid this character any attention, probably until the mid two thousands, and then after that, I, you know, I remember when the movie came out. Black Panther is a pretty obscure character to throw out there into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, in my opinion. Yeah, um, for, the, I, for the mainstream audience, I mean, he, right. he's always been a guy who's kind of been around. Like, you knew he was one of one of the Avengers or whatever. But, you know, like I said, it wasn't literally until the late 90s that I read a Black Panther solo book. Uh, so Black Panther hits. We don't go to the theaters to watch it. Instead, we wait and it gets released. And... Uh, the day that it releases to, uh, I'm talking about releases like video on demand and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the day it releases for video on demand, I sit down and I watch it with my kids. And I'm, I, this is a Sunday, I believe. Um, so we're watching it and the anticipation is just ratcheting up to go watch Infinity War. And I finally was like, let's go. Let's go and watch it. I remember we watched Black Panther and I was like, all right, kids. Let's go watch Infinity War in the theaters. <laughs> so, nice. we, yeah, we immediately went and saw the um, saw Infinity War in the theaters that day. So, watched both those movies at the you know on the same day, which was pretty cool. But regardless, I was really impressed with what they did with the Black Panther, you know, property. With I didn't know what kind of a story they could tell that would make it matter in the Marvel universe and or Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it was great. So. This might be the first time I read a full Black Panther story. Yeah, because the the client we did that was that was during COVID. Yeah. One of the cool things, and you you get a, a glimpse of that in here. And one of the things that I where I think maybe he really distinguished it on Black Panther is he. I read an interview once where he said he wrote Black Panther like he was Rachel Gould, but a good guy. Like oh, he's yeah? always three or four steps ahead of everybody. You see some of that in here. I mean, he, he's still c- coming into his own, but I mean, he, he does have some powers, you know, from the good old heart-shaped herb. But, uh, you know, in, in some ways, he's kind of like the closest thing sometimes Marvel has to a Batman because he just has all these resources and he has all these plans in, in motion and backup plans and keeps his, uh, you know, friends close and his enemies closer. And Right. So, correction... It was actually episode 150. Mark and I covered Who is the Black Panther from 2005. That was Hublin's first um, okay. storyline, I believe, where he kind of reintroduced him. Yeah, yeah. So that was back on. Because I'd been reading about the Black Panther for five or six years. I knew who the Black Panther was, and I didn't want to reboot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But a uh, lot, a lot of people really liked that. Uh, really liked that run, and, and what I read of it, I, I enjoyed too. That was February of 2018. I remember that specifically because it was either the first of the W2M shows or it was the last of the blog talk shows. So well, I, I it know was you episode 150. So you probably had like a chromium cover and oh, yeah. <laughs> double sized hologram. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's get into it here. Let's gonna we're gonna talk about the first two issues of Rise of the Black Panther. So our first issue is a kind of a history of lineage of T'Challa the Black Panther. To start off, what we need to talk about is Wakanda. 
Wakanda is, is an African nation, and it was kind of a secret. The idea no, is no. Wakanda is like an idealized nation, an African nation, if it hadn't been colonized, if it hadn't been interfered with from the outside world. Just what, what could they have done on their own with this, you know, magic space rock vibranium of course mm-hmm. so d- definitely fictionalized but the idea was here is a here is an african culture that grew and thrived without outside uh, intervention one of the main players here in this first issue is t'chaka who is actually t'challa's father at the time t'chaka is the warrior king of wakanda and of course the black panther as well and from what i understand if if you are king of wakanda you are also the black panther correct yes. Okay. That is correct. All right. We also get to meet T'Challa's mother, uh, a lady by the name of Nayami, is what I want to go with. Nayami, uh, she's an outsider. I, I can't remember the specifics of where T'Chaka met her. I know it was obviously not in Wakanda. He brings her in, uh, falls in love with her, uh, obviously, and makes her queen. Uh, but she dies shortly before, excuse me, shortly after childbirth, giving birth to T'Challa. There's probably a previous story that's detailed uh that they're detailing here where they got to get her gets they're they're trying to get some nanites from howard stark bring them over in order to try and save her but there's like some espionage that goes on blowing this this transport up of these nanites before they reach her so unfortunately niami meets her end shortly after childbirth after giving birth to t'challa i i knew um that ramonda who we we meet later wasn't his his birth mother I feel like the inclusion of Howard Stark, and I'm, I'm not much of an Iron Man expert, but I feel like Howard Stark got more important in the comics as he got more important in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm, I'm not I'm not sure how much that connection was established. The appearance of Captain America in the middle, in the beginning, where T'Chaka meets Captain America during World War II, that, that was like a previously established touchstone. I know Priest and Hudlin both dealt with and I I think even was around before. so but I'm I'm not sure if the Howard Stark connection was there if that was a new addition for this. Yeah, you mentioned Ramonda, who happens to be T'Chaka's second wife and mother figure to T'Challa. I mean, he for all intents and purposes, T'Challa treats her as his mother. Then we have uh some we we in issue one we get introduced to kind of the enemies, some enemies to T'Chaka's rule. There's obviously some parts of Wakanda that are not, even parts of Africa, that are, they contend with T'Chaka's rule. Uh, they bring in Baron Von Strucker at one point. You know, I, I think by the end of the issue, uh, Ulysses S. Claw shows up. Yeah. And he is there for some vibranium, which is this, cov- you know, you mentioned it, space rock, coveted, very precious metal. A lot of strange qualities. It can absorb energy, especially sound, and um, it was used in part to make Captain America's shield. I believe it's a vibranium-adamantium mixture. The two cool metals in the Marvel Universe. So Claw ends up killing T'Chaka as he jumps in front of a blast aimed at T'Challa. Claw ends up getting his hand blown off. Very big parts of Marvel history are happening just in this first issue. But the main thing is, obviously, T'Chaka ends up losing his life, saving his kid, T'Challa. So that's where issue one sort of ends. Issue two is where T'Challa strives to become the Black Panther, uh, but also has to deal with a certain Atlantean named Namor. Uh, So when we start the book out, Sian, 
T'Chaka's brother is ruling as the Black Panther uh, right now uh, for Wakanda. But T'Challa shows up on Challenge Day, hooded. Nobody knows who he is. He's got a hood over his head. But he challenges his uncle and actually wins the fight. What's your thoughts on Challenge Day? Kind of explain that to our listeners. We got a little glimpse of it uh, in the in the movie. I do remember reading about a long time ago that this is how T'Challa earned the mantle of, of the Black Panther. It's the first time I remember actually seeing it in the, the comics, but it's basically a king has to prove their mettle, prove their worth to retain the Black Panther title by defending uh, against all challengers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we saw... A, T'Challa do that in the movie against M'Baku. Then Killmonger showed up um, and and challenged him. And yeah, basically at this point he uh, he does the same to his, to his uncle. You know, he he was in line for the throne, but it it wasn't just going to be handed in, handed to him. Right. And so he defeats his uncle and and the Dora Milaje to show that he is worthy of uh, inheriting the title of Black Panther. Uh, so now as Black Panther, T'Challa investigates some recent disappearances of some some of his people and r- ends up running into Namor, who was recently in a ship, apparently, and blasted out of the sky. Uh, so he's down there. They have a little bit of a scuffle after Namor and, and Black Panther put aside their initial misunderstanding and differences. They find out... Marvel Universe, uh, you can't have two superheroes meet without them trading blows. No kidding. Uh, they find that one of uh, Namor's enemies or at least you know somebody he doesn't get along with a guy by the name of Murano which I I've never heard of not uh, bell for me yeah and then Zorun which is somebody that was not happy with Black Panther or T'Challa's rule uh, so these two of from Naganda which is okay. a fictional neighbor of Wakanda that they, they had some uh disputed uh disputed territory right there was a there was definitely a land dispute i remember him mentioning that he believed that they had taken their land in the past so Murano and zarun teamed up but uh namor and black panther they're able to defeat them there i, I think there was a rebellion that was planned and uh namor and black panther were able to put a put an end to that pretty quickly by the end of issue two t'challa's kind of changing things up he's actually giving it some thought to letting the world know that Wakanda exists. So how well that's going to go over with the rest of Wakanda, we don't know. We just know that T'Challa's giving it some thought because he believes that it would be better to have the world know that they are there. A lot of people feel differently because they think that if everybody knows they're there, they're going to come for them and they're they're going to be just, it's going to be unending conflict. Yeah. But regardless... T'Challa has given it some thought to maybe, just maybe, it'd be a good idea to let the world know Wakanda is there. So and you just don't know Wakanda trouble you're going to get into. <laughs> oh, man. Wah, wah. That's our first <laughs> two issues. Well, definitely a, a, a good job of... Uh establishing that Wakanda is a major player in the Marvel Universe. Another one they had uh, in there was Gabe Jones with S.H.I.E.L.D. I think he was involved in that um, that effort to, you know, exchange technology with Howard Stark. He was one of Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. He was another link to the, the Marvel past. There was a phrase used in the, the first issue. Well, one thing I thought they did really well was introduce the, the local slang, which, I mean, obviously Wakanda is in a real place, but I'm sure some of those terms are, are from from actual languages. I, I didn't didn't research that deeply, but at one point somebody uh, refers to 
I guess Tachaka or one of the Black Panthers kind of derisively is Ukatana, which uh, I believe means kitten. Mm. And that's actually a phrase that the main villain in the early part of Priest's run used. So I don't know if that was a nod to that or if it was just a common term that, that both the writers pulled out. But I, I thought that was pretty neat. I liked seeing the white wolf who was Tachaka's adopted son, uh, a, right. a white man who had well, as a child had, you know, been orphaned in, in Wakanda and, and they raised and T'Chaka raised him and put him in charge of the secret police. See, he wasn't a blood relative, so couldn't be, you know, couldn't be yeah. in line for the throne. Right. But, um, you know, I think I've talked about it here. I always love alternate versions of characters. So the, the white wolf, the title Bucky Barnes gets in the movies, he and the Hatut Zaraze, I'm probably butchering that, but the, the Wakandan secret police, are like Black Panthers, but with white uniforms. So I always thought those guys were, were pretty cool looking. So yeah, it just, um, you know, gives you the history of Wakanda, establishes it in, in the Marvel universe. Like I said, I, I, I knew some of this. Uh, I'd, I'd love to be enough of a historian to tell you exactly what was new and, and what was tweaked. You know, I knew it was established that, that Ramonda wasn't T'Challa's birth mother. Again, in, in Priest's run, you had a lot of stuff with Namor, with the, you know the different characters that were heads of state. There was a whole storyline that was kind of played on the Elian Gonzalez thing with Atlantis, and then uh, you had Magneto when he was in charge of Genosha and Doctor Doom from Latveria. All those guys interacting with Namor and T'Challa. Yeah, just a r- really neat uh, job of of establishing everything there in the the history. I'll tell you one of the hardest things for me to understand what was going on here. I don't even know if they explain to where I understood what was going on. but Yeah, it was a little hard for me to follow, too. Okay, thanks. My gosh, man. I sat here and I was like, I understand that he's concerned about these disappearances of uh, his people. Mm-hmm. And he wants to find out where they're going. He ends up running into, like, we open up issue two where he is trying to stop some people smuggling vibranium, I think, out of yeah. the nation. You know, they're you're they're yelling. I don't I can't I don't want to disappear too. what was going on with these disappearances. Were people being abducted or were they leaving on their own or what was going on? I think that they were they were being abducted. I, th- I think it had to do with Naganda. Like I said, that that neighboring country. Let's, and then but then the the guys who were smuggling it, I think they were smuggling it under threat that they would disappear, too. So they were they were being threatened by by the people who were uh, who were doing this. I'm trying to l- oh. look back at those pages now. Yeah, reports of missing citizens going back more than than ten years. So that's where you see Njataka, who uh, you know becomes Killmonger, who Michael B. Jordan played in in the movie, who was actually a relative of T'Challa's in the movie. That's not the case here. I think they had the Hatut Zaraze investigating the disappearances, and so it wasn't known to to the public. In, in Wakanda, that that's one of the reasons T'Challa's kind of talking about bringing them out of the shadows and being more open about Wakanda and, and the world. Like, if other places knew about Wakanda, Wakanda could interact with them instead of always having to defend itself. To explain the, the entire conspiracy, I, I am not sure. I, I think that's been delved into in other, in other series. That may be why it's a little vague, because okay. I know, again— Broken record. I know Killmonger was a big presence in Priest series, and he's been a, b- a big presence. They've done even more with him. He's one of those characters that he fit what they needed in the movie. Th- there's some distinctive Black Panther enemies, but I mean, outside of Claw, 
who is not that big a threat nah. and kind of a goofy looking dude in the comics. Black Panther hasn't had the most distinctive rogues gallery outside of his own comic. I mean, just about any character can be interesting with, with the with the right writer. I mean, M'Baku, they had to really work to make him as cool as he was in the movie with Winston Duke because the character was originally called Man-Ape, and it was a guy walking around in a white gorilla skin suit. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't think there was any, you know, disrespectful intention, but that, that one did not age well. No. So, <laughs> no, no, um, it didn't. Killmonger, they, they kind of built him up. So I remember reading about the disappearances in other stories. So I, I'm honestly not sure if that was fully explained in, in here. Because now that you mentioned it, I'm like, yeah, how did that? I, w- I was a little uh, unclear on that. But yeah, part of I mean, part of Killmonger's origin has always been he was Okandan who you know grew up in the West and then kind of came back. I'm not I sure just, how much we were supposed to understand that, or maybe there'll be people listening to this going, you idiots didn't understand the whole conspiracy. And, you know, I believe it was it was something that was explored more, the, the more I'm thinking about it in, a, in another series. And this was more to set up Killmonger and to contrast the way T'Challa did things with the way his uncle did things, which was to hide the disappearances so people wouldn't lose faith in the crown and in, in the government. Okay, but um, but but yeah, the the point was there were these disappearances, and Njataka was the last one to be returned. We'll we'll see him come back in one of the ne- the next issues. Anything else? Just just a little bit of uh, em- embarrassment on my own part, th- thinking you you understand things, but but maybe missing a point. There's. Okay, these disappearances happened along waterways, and I'm like, oh, so it looks like we're bringing Hydro Man into this. <laughs> Namor's on the cover, but I am too smart, and I'm like, oh, yeah, got Hydro Man coming up. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so sometimes having having the enemy on the cover uh, still isn't enough to get, get through my uh, my thick skull here. And I'm like, oh, or Namor, that, that could make sense, too. <laughs> right. Out of these first two issues, I think the one thing that sticks out to me is I, as a character, Black Panther, it's it's called Rise of the Black Panther. It's also the evolution of him as a person and what he's going to do for the nation of Wakanda, you know, bringing them bringing them out of the shadows and into the world. And that being a thought that he has by the end of issue two, they're a secret nation on purpose. You kind of mentioned mm-hmm. this earlier. They do that because Number one, so they won't get uh, targeted and conquered or potentially conquered. And, and, and they feel that their existence has thrived upon remaining secret. And now Black Panther feels that uh, T'Challa feels that it's time to join the world. And to make a, a difference step. and to protect them. Right. He's an honorable man. Of course, he has an allegiance to his nation, but he also feels that, you know, he probably owes something to the world. There are bad people out there, and it all kind of stems back to T'Chaka's interaction, and it's a great that that's a starting point. Don't we open this book, and like the first panel is Captain America? Yeah. Captain America showing up and being there and fighting on the side, fighting against T'Chaka at first, but of course then fighting uh, with him. It shows that that outside influence is not a bad thing. Right. And it doesn't have to be an influence either. It could be mm-hmm. that the, the outside presence is not a bad thing. These people can work together. They did work together. A lot of good came of it. Why avoid that? Why not embrace it? And that's what, you know, T'Challa's kind of thinking about here at the end of issue two, which is pretty cool. He's definitely a warrior. You know, when his dad takes the shot for him, T'Challa is the one that's picking up the gun and blowing claws 
handoff. So yeah. that, that's uh, that's a pretty big moment in the book. I'm I, I'm liking what I'm reading, you know, as I'm going through these two issues. And I didn't talk about Shuri, and she shows up a, a, a fair amount here in the first two issues, more as we go through the story. Their relationship's cool. You know, it's a, a brother-sister relationship where it seems kind of competitive, which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> very like reminiscent of, of, of the movie. That, that That's right. what I was saying. A lot of this, you know, they don't change things to make it just like the movie. You know, we, we never find out the Killmonger is T'Challa's cousin like like he was in the movie, but they make it feel a, a little more like the movie. Um, right. I, I didn't read a lot of comics with, with Shuri, and like I said, she was she came in Hudlin's run, which was in you know the mid two thousands when a lot of these stories were being told. Originally, she wasn't wasn't around, so they 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 worked her into that. But it, you know, it, it's fun. I mean, I, I understand them wanting to make things a little more like the movies on the off chance that somebody watches the movie and and wants to to read the comics. But I, I think they did it without you know sacrificing too much of without changing the original story too much. I agree. All right. And it was cool. You, you talked about, you know, T'Challa's sense of duty to, to, to his people. That That's the thing. As much as they contrast he, he and Namor and their styles of fighting and ruling and everything, that's one thing they both have in common is they want to protect their, their people. And that's where right. they find their common ground. Exactly. Very loyal to their people, to their nation. Namor has a different outlook on things. You know, he obviously does not care for the surface world. Yeah. Uh, why, you know, why would he want to even attempt to do anything? And I can't remember. It, it's probably a quote that he says in, in that second issue. Namor's like something about, you know, why would I even have anything to do with you? Dusty surface folk. <laughs> That's a great way to describe somebody. All right. It's always a fun guy to chat with. Oh yeah. All the time. Full of, full of mirth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, issues three and four. Uh, so yeah, issue three. T'Challa lets the world know of Wakanda. Uh, he invites some UN representatives to Wakanda to tell them he is a he is. So this is kind of like a pre meeting. He invites these people over and he says, "Look, we're here." Uh, and he does it in a neat way too. He like sends them the invitation, and the invitation like disintegrates after a certain amount yeah. of time. But uh, anyway, he, he gets these U United Nations representatives to come over so he can have a talk with them and explain, like, hey, I am just I'm getting ready to unveil our nation to the world. And he wanted to kind of get a feel for things. But the thing is, is that he does this and he springs it on his own nation's council just before the U.N. plane lands. So mm. That doesn't go over well at all. Uh, no. They aren't happy. But uh, anyway, it's soon found that there has been some trickery as one of the delegates who actually turns out to be a blackmailed Russian operative Dark Star, Soviet super soldier. We just did the Soviet super soldier episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I gotta, I gotta uh, and listen to that. Or she's she's in there. Uh, she's mm -hmm. she's discussed. But anyway, Dark Star's there and she teleports Winter Soldier to sneak around the compound, mainly the roof of the compound, to learn Wakandan secrets. Of course, that is discovered pretty quickly. They underestimate, and I think that's a, one of the unique aspects of Wakanda, is the fact that it's in the middle of Africa, which is traditionally understood to be a pretty underdeveloped nation, uh, pretty underdeveloped continent. Y usually you're thinking of huts and people scraping for food. Mm -hmm. um, that's not happening in Wakanda. Uh, there's, so there's, one of the diplomats actually uses a phrase. I'm trying, trying to find it, but he says this technology on this continent. And right. you're like, oh, 
man, come on, dude. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you're surprised, but could could you be a little more racist about it? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe we're seeing these kinds of technologies on this continent. They have no idea what they're stepping into. They do not understand how advanced their society. They, they're advanced past the outside world. When they show up and they think they're being slick and the Russians are sending a uh, winter soldier who's cloaked, by the way, to go s- sneak around. Black Panther immediately is like, OK, guys, hold on a second. I've got to I've got to go do something. Leaves the meeting confronting winter soldier up, up yeah. on the roof and ends up they end up going through the window into the conference room even. Um, yeah. So Shuri ends up finding out about a program, a Wakandan program called I'm going to call it Cuckoo. K-O-U-K-O-U. That's what I want to go with. It could be cow-cow. Anyway, Cyan has this plan to attack the outside world called Project Cuckoo. Shuri finds out about that, and she can't believe, like, hey, you know, we are all about defending ourselves, but uh, becoming the aggressor, that's, you know, that's something different. She can't believe that her uncle's doing this. In America, T'Challa runs into Najatika out there, Eric Killmonger. Mm -hmm. Of course, we don't know he's Killmonger at the time, and he he he's an abductee. I think he I think he he's either right. a, a abductee or refugee, but he's he begs yes. to come back to Wakanda. He's like, "Can I come back to Wakanda, please?" So, of course, T'Challa uh, agrees and says, "Yeah, come on back, come back to your home." Uh, returning to Wakanda at the end of issue three, T'Challa finds Doctor Doom waiting on his own throne so that is how they end issue three and if i didn't go into issue four immediately i I don't know if you you couldn't you couldn't have clocked me quicker going into that next issue i was like oh man how is this going to go down if there's a new source of power in the marvel universe victor von doom is trying to seize it right in issue four i'll start with eric here i mean eric is going around Wakanda trying to get his feel for things. At least that's the, your idea. Now, can I just go ahead and say that I will claim ignorance and, and I knew I had a feeling this guy was Killmonger, but I didn't know for sure. Oh, that makes like the con- confirmation of what happens in issues six, I think be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew who I was talking about. Anyway, uh, Eric's running around Wakanda. He ends up running into the white wolf. The white wolf says, Hey, you know, look, I've been keeping an eye on you. Uh, maybe you're you could find some possible future employment with the secret security here. He's trying to find his place in Wakanda. He ends up like talking to the council, and some people believe that uh, Eric may be a good one to sponsor for Challenge Day. And that's mm-hmm. kind of all that happens with Eric's story in issue four. To get back to T'Challa and Doctor Doom, we find out that sure enough, that's a Doombot sitting on the throne there. He blows the throne up with the doom bot on it, which is pretty interesting. I, I, that took some premeditation. At some point, somebody decided, well, you know, I need to make sure that this throne blows up at some point. Uh, yeah, like I said, that's that's how Priest wrote him. He's a few steps ahead of everybody. Oh, man. With that note, you know, T'Challa grabs Shuri and they head to Latveria. T'Challa dons the Black Panther suit and they meet the real doom. Dr. Doom is humoring him, you can tell, but he the only reason he is is because he kind of wants to find out about T'Challa's previous interaction with the Fantastic Four. Yeah, that 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 happened um just prior to the events in issue 3, I guess. Is that his first appearance was in Fan- Fantastic Four? Fantastic Four, Four number 52, which I have okay. a beat up, cover ripped up copy of that my cousin sent me. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. 
That's pretty cool. So now during this, Shuri's out being given the tour by another Doom bot, uh, but she ends up breaking away to try and find a place where she can purge the knowledge that Doom has of Wakanda, but she gets found out fairly quickly. But before she does, she noticed that there is some technology that is involved with some of this some of the, some of these uh, machines that Doctor Doom has specifically, she recognizes it being technology from the Hyena Clan, which is a group of Wakandan exiles. Shuri gets chased all over the place. Black Panther has to try to jump in and kind of join up with her. You know, these Doom bots are kind of chasing after him, and finally things calm down. And Doom's Doctor Doom, the actual Doctor Doom, says, "Okay, look, I was given the coordinates to Wakanda." by somebody that person claimed to be the son of t'challa so of course t'challa and shuri are astonished they now believe that somebody has teamed up with dr doom claiming to be their brother Mm -hmm. uh so by the end of issue four their plan is to go confront white wolf the white wolf because he there that's the only person that they could think that would do that he's the one he's the one person that's been adopted by the family that's the one brother that brother in quotes that they could think of. So they head back to Wakanda to try and face what they believe is a betrayer amongst their people in the White Wolf. And that is where we leave it. So that's issue three and issue four. Evan Bevins, tell me your thoughts here, man. Well, uh, you know, I, I like the way they, they tie in the, the first appearance. What was it that, that he said he, he was talking to, to folks about? He just had an American family here, and they had a fantastic impression of of Wakanda. I, I kind of groaned a little at, um, you, you know, I was talking about they felt, felt like they wanted to make this feel more like the movie. And a lot of ways they did that okay. I, Winter Soldier felt a little forced. Right. I, mean, I will agree I mean, with it, you it was 100%. Russian, but it, you know, it, it used to be, you know, the only three people that stayed dead in comics were Uncle Ben, Bucky, and Jason Todd. And then they brought back Bucky and Jason Todd within, you know, months of each other, I think. <laughs> right. I don't know, but the only thing they didn't do was go, hey, you know what? There was a time Wolverine wandered through Wakanda at some point. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's the other guy you always get if it's some, you know, history of the Marvel Universe. There's Captain America, and there's Wolverine, and then now we got to put Bucky in there somewhere. I mean, it wasn't bad. It, it made sense with the story that's been established that he was doing, you know, all this dirty work for the, the Russians or whatever, but it just, it, I, I don't know. A lot of the other cameos and references felt felt natural, but that one, that one, not so much. Yeah. Bucky looks up at the shield. Wait, that shield. I know that shield. I remember. Uh, and then he passes out. And you're like, man. All right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I know. I, I did. I did like the dialogue, the exposition of why they had the anti-teleport technology and all that stuff. So it was, it was good exposition during the, the, the fight scene. I just thought it was T'Challa and Shuri g- going back, back and forth. You know, she's like scolding him about not telling her that he was inviting the UN folks. Yeah. So, so you've got them arguing and then T'Challa uh, in contact with, with Taku, you know, explaining, why they were doing that. So I thought, even if I thought the winter soldier was a little forced, I thought that that scene in that dialogue was good. Just again, some fun interaction between brother and sister. And then, you know, sort of explaining what, what was going on there. There is, there is a lot of tech jargon as well. There probably should be, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of tech jargon that gets dropped in these issues 
just to make sure that you understand <laughs> that uh, they are definitely an advanced society. That whole exchange that you're talking about between him and Shuri, he's ch- he's testing out like a new suit and some different weaponry. Right. Counter frequency profile uploaded to energy grenade, my lord. It's like, okay, all right. <laughs> and that's one of the things that felt kind of daunting when I started this, especially when I started at night, you know, before yeah. I went to bed. There is a lot of dialogue. I don't normally skip over things, especially if there's a lot of words on a page. There were situations throughout this book, especially like this whole dialogue between sure during this battle. There was a lot of talking going on, but most of it was very interesting. Like there, mm-hmm. uh, there was enough in there to keep me going. Okay. You, you talked about how they were explaining away some of the stuff about anti-teleportation technology. It, it's setting the ground floor for what has been or what has happened in the black Panther universe. Again, it's written in a way that keeps it interesting. So maybe mm-hmm. even though I look at something, I go, Oh my gosh, look at all these words. I also am like, okay, well, if it's written well, then I'm invested, yeah. and I'll read every word that's on the page. A Go bit ahead. of dialogue that I that I appreciated when T'Challa was talking to the ambassadors, you know, and especially like, hey, uh, you don't want people to find out that some of you tried to steal from Wakanda when we invited you in. This is how it's going to be. He says, we shall have an understanding between us, which is, that's a line that got used a lot early in the priest run when he was trying to get get information. He he would have these informants, and he's like, "Okay, well, we're going to have an understanding be- between us." And so that that was that was a cool callback, right? Like I said, this this came out you know along with the Tanahisi Coates run. So I I hadn't read this, but there was a whole storyline that he did where there was like an intergalactic empire of Wakanda. There are references to Wakanda. Wakandan space travel. Yes, yeah, he mentioned space, and that's not really followed up on. So I think that was a reference to what was going on or coming up in the main series. And then there's also a character we see just for like a page, and I, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, but Shangamire, Changamire, who played a big role in Coates, at least his first storyline or two in Black Panther. So it's kind of inserting him a new character, but inserting him back into the history. And then as far as dialogue, I mean, writers have to enjoy writing Dr. Doom. Oh, um, my gosh. Do they ever? They're, they're talking. And, and for for the most part, it's it's pretty on, on target. Sometimes I, I thought it got a little bit much. But I know, you know, he's talking about, you know, Doom's mother being trapped in hell, which has been a whole story. And then, uh, you know, T'Challa mentioned his, his parents are dead. And Doom's like, ally with Doom, and together we will free our parents from death's cold grasp. <laughs> I was like, wow. T'Challa's like, I don't really think I'm going to go against the natural order of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not my style. <laughs> Doom's like, I don't like the natural order, therefore I must crush it. That's such an over-the-top comic book thing and also totally Doom. It is. Doom's like, it oh, really you know is. what? Hey, let's uh, let's free our parents from death. It's like, or you could just stop teleporting into my country. I would appreciate that. In, in, enjoyed enjoyed see, seeing Doom, and then yeah, when when T'Challa blows up the throne, I'm like, man, T'Challa, that's that's harsh. And then I immediately, I even have in my notes, Doombot. And then right. I think, yeah, Doombot and, and T'Challa knew it. Okay, I feel better now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, he could sense that there was no human inside the suit, and therefore was perfectly fine with blowing that up. And also speaking of the dialogue, I, I got a chuckle out of uh, Shuri referring to uh, him as Almighty T'Challa, Destroyer of Chairs. 
they, they, they can get some funny dialogue in there without uh, undercutting, uh, you know, the the weight and the stature of, of the Black Panther. So I, I enjoyed that. Right. The big thing that comes out of these two issues, specifically issue three, is T'Challa has every reason not to trust anybody. Mm. I mean, that, that's really all this these two issues are uh, you've got the delegates that show up and one of the these people that he brings into his house, they are one of them is then trying to steal secrets uh, that he's guarded. Why would he continue to trust anybody, any outsider? And then the next thing you know, there's doom who shows up. There's a lot of that. You know, this is a nation coming out to the world and the best plan is to bring these, bring an early group of people in and say, look, I'm going to do this. And, and get the feel for who these people are. He's wise. That's probably the mm. best way to put it. He's even though he's a warrior king, he's very, very wise. But yeah, man, uh, you, Black Panther versus Doctor Doom. Sure, he should have known something was up immediately. As soon as she thought she had a moment to do what she thought she needed to do, the Doombots immediately going, nothing escapes Doom's notice. They're mm. telling you right there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> nothing escapes Doom's notice. And the whole time I'm reading it, I'm sitting there going like, she's thinking she's fooling these things, but I swear that these things know what she's doing, even though she's overrode the code or whatever she said she did. Uh, it's they're telling her nothing escaped Doom's notice, nothing <laughs> escapes. And I'm like, so yeah, we learn about this uh, this potential brother betrayer, which is going to be interesting to see them head home and face off with the White Wolf. I don't know the history of the White Wolf as far as, you know, what's come before in mm-hmm. these stories. But from what I understand, like, they don't get along. They're family, but it's like he's head of the secret police and he's... He, he's uh, one of those that, you know, is protecting the, the nation uh, above all else. Yeah, he, he, he was first introduced in, in, in Priest's run. So, yeah, not exactly, but there's a little bit of... Of the Loki concept to him, you know, he's the brother, but but not by blood, and so he's not the favored son, but he he does he does the father's dirty work. You know, even though Black Panther has his secrets and plans and stuff, he's he's more straightforward, operating the open. And White Wolf's the guy who, eh, if I need to disappear somebody, if I need to kill somebody, you know, to take care of things to, to protect Wakanda, that's what I'm going to do. Whereas T'Challa wants to protect Wakanda, but he's also a man of honor, and you know, he wants to try to not to compromise that. Right, right. I mean, if if somebody, I mean, that was kind of what was happening in issue two is. There was no problems like taking those thieves and killing uh, killing them prior to this. I think Cyan says that. Yeah. Uh, Cyan, he says, you know, before we would have, I think he said he would have, we would have killed these people or, or made them disappear. And and T'Challa's like, my father would have never done that. And he's like, well, you're this stuff was hidden from you. He brings them back and throws them in prison, if I remember correctly. So yeah, it's it, you know, he's not somebody that would kill for you know even though it's forest country he doesn't want to kill somebody so he's an idealist and hunter would say he's a realist okay i like that issue five black panther finds a lost brother so yeah black panther uh t'challa goes back to confront the white wolf but ramonda steps in and tells him of jakara t'chaka's son conceived with a member of the wakandan spy network after niami died T'Challa then, so he uh, starts following leads uh, to try and find the hyena clan, and he ends up running into Storm, who was battling the hyena clan as well, 
So they, t- they team up and track them and face them together. They end up finding Jakara, who it, I don't know what he's got going on here. He's doing something where he's it's like Hydro. Uh, I have Hydro-Man? Uh, no, it's not Hydro Man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he's really wanted to see G- Black Panther take on Hydro Man here. <laughs> He's on something with the geothermal energy, if I'm right. If yeah. I remember right. There's a bunch of pipes and stuff coming out of there. So I don't know what the plan, the big plan is for the hyena clan. But either way, when they show up, Jakara's like, oh, yes, I've been waiting for you. And then he, like, covers himself in some kind of, like, uh, vibranium goop. Well, it's, be- it's the material from the geothermal pipes and the vibranium. I, no, I, no, I, I had to look him up on a wiki. His body metabolized the vibranium from the dagger and converted the heat energy into mass. Okay. So All right. The, the most important property of vibranium is it can do whatever the writer wants it to. <laughs> That's beautiful. He metabolized the metal from the dagger. Did he get, did, did T'Challa throw something at him? Is that how he got the dagger or what happened? I believe so. Yeah. He, he, he got the dagger from T'Challa. Okay. All right. So, Regardless, he turns into this massive vibranium monster, starts going after, starts fighting T'Challa and Storm. And during the battle, Black Panther is able to paralyze him in some certain way. And Storm whisks some wind up and ends up tossing him into a volcano. So the Jakara, the long lost brother, half brother of T'Challa, lived and died in this episode or in this issue, apparently. Now, during this, Oh, there he hey, is. I, just, I just found he he got the dagger. T'Challa tagged one of his guys with with the dagger so he could so he could track him. And that, that oh, that's, that's right. Yeah. Okay, all right, and then he all right. Because <laughs> that's what cool bad guys do. They lick knives. Yes, they do. Oh boy, there is an interesting part here. Well, in, in issue five, Eric is going around to I, I think different scientists in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if these are refugees that have come back. I, I cannot. I, I believe they were people who were taken. Okay. All right. They were the missing citizens that have been brought back. So he's going around and finding these people and he's putting these, uh, putting this device on their head, getting he either tricks them into doing it. I assume, or he forces them to do it one way or the other. It's the the first interaction we get, it, it he kind of tricks this other guy to put this device on his head so he can see all his memories. Yeah, he wants him uh, to he wants to help him to help him test out his uh yeah. his memory software thing. Try this for me. So he puts it on, and then when he has it on, he proceeds to murder the guy after getting the information that he needs. And what is this information? Well, sure enough, he's learning about Wakandan weaponry that had never been developed. It's all Project inside these scientists. Cuckoo. Project, Project Cuckoo. Cuckoo. That's right. Okay. Uh, and, and this is where we learn. And it, this is Eric Killmonger. Uh, mm. So he is he's going around murdering these scientists in order to get this weaponry. Now, what's he going to do with that? Well, issue six, we get our finale here where we find out that Killmonger's plan is to drop a large bomb on top of a shield helicarrier. T'Challa gets Sian to tell him about uh, Project Cuckoo, but soon learns of Killmonger's murderous deeds and that he has Queen Ramonda as a hostage. So Black Panther shows up, but Killmonger's able to use, I think, the bones of his victims. Is that what you're getting here? Like, did he cut these bones out of these people? I mean, not only was he taking their memories of the weapons, but he was getting the experience. It does kind of look look like he's get, getting the bones, but he's he's getting the experience of their death. So right. I think what he's what he's projecting to T'Challa, and whether it's from their actual bones or 
you know, maybe some stuff he got. There was probably uh, an empty building in Wakanda and a spirit Halloween store opened. Um, so that may be where he got it. But whatever it's doing, he's transmitting their feelings and experience at the point of death. He's yeah. like kind of you're broadcasting that to T'Challa. It's debilitated T'Challa. He can't really do much. Killmonger end up, ends up leaving, but with a good pep talk from Queen Ramonda, Black Panther's able to get up and sh- go after him shortly. But that's not before Killmonger boards a plane and with the plan to find uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier and drop this bomb right on top of it. As Black Panther gets up, wills himself to get up, he saves the queen. He stops a robotic, like, panther, large cat rampage in Wakanda uh, and daringly boards Killmonger's plane in mid-flight. Uh, so he does all that, and then once there, he confronts Killmonger. However, Killmonger drops the bomb. So Black Panther immediately has to make a decision. He jumps from the plane onto the bomb, stopping it from exploding, while Shuri shows up and stops Killmonger by wrapping him up in something. But Killmonger jumps from the plane into the ocean below. So at the end of this issue, we believe Killmonger's dead. Possibly. We don't know. We, there, there's no body. We just know that he fell from the plane. We have uh, history unfolding for Wakanda after that. Uh, Killmonger's been stopped, really, because it talks about how, like, it's the beginning. You know, this is the mm-hmm. next The next few steps after this are the beginning of T'Challa and his adventures as the Black Panther uh, in the Marvel Universe. He ends up because oh, yeah, so the last panel is him shaking hands with Captain America. I assume this is at the Avengers mansion. Mm-hmm. So I kind of smirked when it showed him joining the Avengers because uh, and folks, if you take a drink every time I mention the priest run, you should probably go to the hospital um, <laughs> right now. It was actually revealed that he joined the Avengers intentionally to assess what kind of threat they might pose to Wakanda. OK, All I mean, right. he, he so so it, it's like you were talking about earlier. He's he's wanting to see what those threats are rather than, than ha- have them sneak up on him. So that led to some distrust with the Avengers for a while once that was revealed. Okay, um, And it's not like he wasn't a good guy and he wasn't their friend, but his whole purpose in seeking them out was to say, hey, are these guys a threat to my people? Yeah. Can I you know, can I trust these people? Well, I mean, there it is. That's our that's our two issues. That's how we finish things out here. Black Panther faces off with Jakara and ends up believing he's killed him and then faces off with Killmonger and stops his plan. And then it's the beginning after that. So I, I had never heard of Jakara, but I actually looked back. He was a character in the early black Panther solo series and he was T'Challa's half brother and he did rebel. And so I issue five kind of updated that storyline a, a little bit, which, which I, I did not know another, uh, tie to the marvel universe we we flash back to black panther in america getting robbed by uh by three criminals one of whom is a young carl lucas right right uh who would grow up to be well grow up or who would become luke cage you know then i i kind of thought since this was retelling his origin that we'd see him and and storm when they were kids that's where they first got to know each other that that was already established when when they got got together here mm-hmm. in, in this issue. You know, as much as I knew, you know, Killmonger from other things I'd read, and, you know, since this was kind of taking some cues from the movie, I mean, I, I knew eventually Killmonger was going to break bad, but I, I don't know about you, but it felt like his plot just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I know there were references to Project Cuckoo, or well, however you, you say it, peppered in there, but it, 
I couldn't tell, like, did he get to Wakanda and go, man, I don't, I don't like how this is going. I'm going to take over. Or was he always in, in the movie? He, he, he had a plan. He, he had planned all of this out. And in this, I, I, I don't know. It just feels like it's like, okay, well, uh, in issue six, we got to have a fight between Killmonger and Black Panther. Right. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling uh, it. I mean, I, I knew he was Killmonger. Therefore I knew he was the bad guy, but I don't know. It didn't feel very organic. It just felt that there weren't a lot of hints until issue five when you actually see him killing people that he was anything more than a dude who got taken from his homeland and finally got back. I feel like there are a lot of expectations in some of this. While it's a good story that's being told, I feel like the writers expected you to know who Killmonger was and know that he was going to be a bad guy at the very end, and it didn't matter how he got from point A to point B. He was going to be the bad guy no matter what. We just got to give him something to do. Like the disappearances thing, I took that as one of those other things. I felt like, well, I I guess I needed to know what this was. Did it have a very big impact on how what the story was? No, it, it didn't. It just gave him motivation. So... The same thing with Killmonger. Yeah, I don't feel that how we got there felt very earned, in my opinion. The same thing with Jakara. That felt, like, really quick. Like, we went from, I want to say this guy's, we we see him, and then he's dead within, like, three pages. Yeah, and, I mean, I I guess that one maybe, you know, like you said, it relied on you knowing something. But, I mean, he's only... Outside of this issue and a few issues in the other series, he's he's not that well known a character. No, he's not. Um, I'm, I, mean, I, I was I think just looking. The Marvel Wiki says he's got like nine total appearances. So. Yeah, dude, nine issues. Black Panther Volume One, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and fourteen. And then Black Panther. So that's one, two. That's six issues right there from the first volume of Black Panther. And mm. then Black Panther Volume Four, number three. They say that it's just a flashback there. Yeah. And then the the other two are this series. Yeah. So, yeah, he's not very well known. He's He's been in six issues of the first volume of Black Panther. So, I mean, and granted, he's, you know, he's not Killmonger. But, man, right. he's freaking, I, what blew my mind is that, like, Jakar is his brother. Yeah. And, yeah, he's kind of a, he's definitely a butthead. He's running around. He turns into this huge monster. He's attacking Black Panther. But I'm sitting there going, like, let's not kill the guy. But the thing is, is that I bet you what they're doing is they're like, well, hey, you know, Black Panther Volume 1, number 14, we threw him in a volcano. Okay, well, that's where we got to end. <laughs> we got to end it. We got to get there somehow. That, But by the way, the, the wiki doesn't say that he's dead. Yeah, well, uh, they said he wasn't sure if he could kill him, but he like kind of paralyzed him and then put him in the volcano because he didn't know what else to do with him. <laughs> he's yeah. just sitting in there for eternity. Oh, man. Poor Jakara. I mean, this guy is... Yeah. Well, anyway, like the sequence where Hunter shoots him on the spear to the plane, that 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 was cool. But I don't know. Issue six just felt like, okay, we need to fight with Killmonger, and this is the last issue. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Shot him with a spear onto the plane. Uh, that there was a comment I think on that specific scene, and that's kind of where I got this whole nationalist thing. Um. Okay. So this guy says it was so subtle, but I love that small bit of affection Hunter does give does have for T'Challa regardless of his jealousy and saltiness they're still brothers and despite it being his king's command he is hesitant to send T'Challa head headlong into death that that makes <laughs> of his intense loyalty to Wakanda and the smallest twinge of familial love it's suicide so no absolutely not. 
I would I would rather you not. Okay. If you if you insist, I will send you I will send you with this spear. The, I know you mentioned the the meeting of Luke Cage and T'Challa. I want to make sure I get this quote right. Did you mention the quote that he said the all all skin folk are not kin folk? No, I did I didn't uh, I did not use that one. Yeah, that that one did come back. Again, trust. It, there's this trust issue or these the, the you know, Black Panther has to work towards trusting people. And here's Luke Cage saying, hey, we may be the same color, but doesn't mean we're on the same side. Right. I, I enjoyed the series overall. But but yeah, as, especially that that last issue, it just felt kind of kind of rushed and more of a well, Black Panther and Killmonger has to fight, have to fight because we've reached uh, the end of the series. Yeah. And uh, and it, yeah, it, like you said, there's probably some expectation that that you understand. And you know, I, I knew as soon as the name Injotica showed up on that screen, yeah, okay, here comes Killmonger. It did, didn't feel organic. It just felt like, well, he is the bad guy, so therefore they must fight. I mean, I, I know they had some stuff about how you know he didn't think you know Wakanda was living up to its its potential or whatever. But especially again, when they're you know trying to tie this into the movie so much, I mean, you understood Killmonger's rage and why he was doing what he did in the movie, even if you didn't agree with it. You understood right. his his chain of thought and. And this plot that, that he was unfolding. And in here, it was just like, I am Killmonger. I am the bad guy. Therefore, I'm going to take over. Right. Here's my bloody bones. I'm, I'm sure there was, there was more thought that went into it in the writing, of course. But it, it, it didn't, didn't come across to me. Well, as a whole, man, what are you thinking of this series? Oh, I, I, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I, I think for the most part they did a good job of balancing the "Hey, we want to get what's in the movies front and center" without, you know, going back and revealing Killmonger was his long lost brother, or you know, for for the most part, other than uh, other than Winter Soldier, I, I I think they they did a good job kind of balancing the the new with the old and kind of bringing it together, like. I think I said this before we started recording, but it reminded me a little of the Black Widow series Mark and I did a while back that kind of streamlined her origin and put all the different aspects of her past together. Um, so this this took a lot of stuff either from the original Black Panther mythos or the new stuff and try, tried to weave it together in a story that, that framed it with the contemporary image of the Black Panther that, that the movie created. Well, I enjoyed myself. Uh, you know, as far as getting a getting a glimpse into the history of a character that I'm not uh, well rounded with, I I don't know everything that the Black Panther has been involved with. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was paying attention to this guy in the mid 2000s. You know, the Christopher Priest run that was late 90s, right? It was 98. Well, it was the first uh, batch of Marvel Knights titles with Kevin Smith's Daredevil. Okay, so and Angel Punisher. Angel Punisher. Oh, boy. So as as for a character that I didn't know, it was nice to get a glimpse of that history. Now, a lot of the history I actually knew from the touchstones that you were talking about. I knew about this. And I wonder if I knew about this because of you and Mark doing the podcast. Another good reason to listen to podcasts, folks. Mm -hmm. um, the, the the meeting between Black Panther and Captain America from the 40s. And this might have been something that was touched on. And this is I am the Black Panther. This is the Black Panther. Who is the Black Panther? Something like that. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm pretty sure that was one of the key moments uh, okay. in, in there because they were kind of reviewing the history of Wakanda, if I remember correctly, and the meeting with Captain America. 
uh, between his father and Captain America was one of those. It's like one of the first times Wakanda interacted with the outside world. Okay. But again, it's it's neat to see this story being told about a nation who is has been secret, has has kept themselves hidden away from the world, and are now going to come out and say, hey, we're here. How is the world going to react, and how is Wakanda going to react? That's the big picture, and it's all kind of on the shoulders of this warrior king who is honorable uh, and has superpowers. <laughs> so it, it, it did fill in some of the missing blocks for me for the Black Panther. Uh, I enjoy the art. The art is nothing to sneeze at here. I think, what was his name? Uh, Paul Bernard. Bernard did a fantastic job. Are you going to the theaters to go watch uh, the new Black Panther? Or is this going to be one you'll catch later on down the line? Oh, no, I, I always see the Marvel stuff in the theaters because uh, I, I can't dodge the spoilers forever. I, I think ever since uh, the pandemic, there's only been one non-Marvel movie that I've gone to see in the theaters, um, and that was DC League of Super Pets. So, uh. Okay. <laughs> It looks like it's going to be a good movie, especially with they, they got up some pretty big shoes to fill here with. Oh, yeah. We'll see how it goes. I, I hope it's going to be an interesting and exciting story. So this will this will be the one to get everybody ready. Um, Namor, folks, Namor. He showed up here. He's going to show up in uh, the new movie. So be ready. Little wings on his ankles. It was neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's from all the Red Bull he drinks in Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> they give you wings. All right, Evan Bevins, we have discussed Rise of the Black Panther, uh, the 2018 series. Why don't you let our listeners know where they can find you? Oh, well, you can find me on uh, asterisk51.blogspot.com. I'm working my way through. We're on the, the downhill slide of Secret Defenders. Dr. Druid has taken over the team and has a pretty epic ponytail. <laughs> and yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I never thought uh, when I started my blog that the Dr. Druid section would be one of the larger, uh, keyword searches on there. Unreal. He was in Cap Wolf and now he's, he's running the secret defenders and ticking off his girlfriend and Luke Cage. And he's got a zombie teenager. It's, uh, it's, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Cadaver. That's right. <laughs> First appearance, secret defenders, number 16. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on this episode, but I'm a big fan of the Christopher Priest run on Black no. Panther. Oh, so um, yeah, I'll probably uh, I'll I'll probably uh, throw in a nod to that uh, when when the movie <laughs> comes out. You know, always checking to see what sort of movies uh, Dollar Tree has has out there that I can uh, watch and and write about. Yeah, hashtag Dollar Tree Cinema. Check that out, and then. Um, yeah, you can follow me at Evan underscore Bevins on Twitter to uh, get that and uh, snarky fantasy football comments and uh, <laughs> who knows what else. Ah, uh, great. Last week on the 31st, you can hear myself, Derry, and Dean Compton talking the Resident Evil comics from Marvel that dropped. Uh, there, there were some from Marvel that dropped and, oh my goodness, well, one from Marvel that dropped, I think. I think it was a one-shot. Uh, and then we talked, there was a magazine that, get this, Evan, it, it was a magazine. And so on the front cover, you're, you're you normally the, uh, the front cover of a magazine, you're going to want to entice them mm -hmm. with what's going to be going on on the inside. But just in case you missed looking at the cover on the cover, it said Jim Lee cover. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so it was it was like that was one of the features. Jim Lee cover. Oh, okay. Well, hey, was that we'll their way of warning you that Jim Lee didn't draw the interiors, or that's probably probably. But yeah, you can hear us talk about that, and that's going to be dropping on Halloween the thirty first. And previous to that. You can hear Evan Bevins and myself discussing our Superblog team-up contribution, Batman Punisher Lake of Fire. So that's going to be on the 26th, and I think I have, like, right before that as well. I can't believe I got this back-to-back fight change. But the Sensational She-Hulk's Cosmic Squish Principle. Oh, yes. Oh, it's good stuff, man. Steve Gerber, Howard the Duck, She-Hulk, Sensational She-Hulk fantastic that was a fun time we've got that i've already got that up and running on the network uh, to air the 25th of october so with that being said i want to thank everybody for listening and i'd also like to give a shout out to the w2m network for hosting the show uh i think it's time for us to get out of here so for evan bevins i am jesse starcher we'll be talking to you soon have a good one uh, bye-bye thanks for joining us All of this would not be possible without W2Mnet.com, so make sure to seek them out for more podcasts. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share, and we look forward to entertaining you again soon.